Hello team, it's Fab here, founder and head teacher at All Marketing School and your Marketing BFF. I want to remind you that there is a special invitation for you to join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Get certified as a positive impact strategy and make people fall in love with you and your work. Reclaim your time, understand the marketing foundations with a positive impact spin. If you are a marketing freelancer who wants to raise the quality of services and do more with less, or maybe you are an early stage marketeer ready to invest to gain real experience in building a strategy with purpose, or you're a marketing leader who wants to be recognized as a go-to expert and tackle new growth challenges. Whether you are beginners or whether you have some confidence into your strategy, we want to support you. We want to help you achieve your strategic goals, toss confettis in the air, and blast your favorite hype song as you get through eight incredible weeks with me and the rest of our faculty. Think about our certification as marketing training at university standards, not prices. So if you're ready to join us and you want to check out our incredible curriculum, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash certification. I repeat, amschool.click slash certification to find out more and learn what you are going to go through in our eight weeks. From marketing foundations all the way to leadership and storytelling skills, we're also going to cover strategic marketing blocks and advanced marketing tools. Plus, you get workshops, hot seats, group work, and even timely panels with incredible experts in the field. So what are you waiting for? No, I mean it. Our next cohort is starting real soon. So make sure that you head to amschool.click slash certification to come and join us and learn how to market to hearts, not to brains. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are currently bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello team and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. My name is Fab and we have a bit of a special schedule for the next couple of weeks for you. And this is because I'm not going to be online for a couple of weeks, which is probably more than I've done in a long time. And after I managed to quiet down my raging anxiety, I was able to create a plan just to make sure that we had some juicy episodes for you before I come back. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at getting to know Amardeep Parma, who is an amazing medium writer and a full-time digital creator. We also will see the behind the scenes of Shop Like a Give a Damn, an amazing business co-founded by the equally amazing Stefan as well. And obviously getting some predictions for the rest of the year with our lovely Becca. And last but not least, you'll even get to meet another old marketing school teacher, Veronica. However, today we are going to be talking to Amandeep, or also Amar, as it goes by. And we're going to talk together about going full-time as a digital creator. We're going to talk about Medium itself and also other new platforms that creators should be keeping an eye on. 
Uh, but if you don't know him, let me just introduce you to the man himself. Amadeep is a writer, editor and host of Mindful and Driven and he recently left the corporate world to pursue his passion full-time. He's amassed millions of views through his writing in a short space of time and has nearly 50,000 followers on Medium. His goal is to help people not to lose sight of what really matters whilst chasing their dreams. And I'm so excited today to encourage you to have this conversation and think about for yourself, especially if you're a creator, but not just, even if you're a marketer, where you want to go and how do you want to pursue your dreams and get that focus, especially in the digital content world, without burning yourself out or without literally following any potential shiny little object. I think this is a very interesting conversation and I am deeply excited to be able to have this with you. So I really hope you're going to enjoy this chat today and you're going to learn so much from Amadeep. Obviously, we'll be back in the next couple of weeks with more episodes, but as I said, it's a bit of a different schedule, so beware of that. Now, as always, may the class begin. Wells, Wells, Wells. We're actually today joining you from a bit of a of a backtrack. So I think there's going to be a lot of things we're going to talk about because we've already covered a lot of things. But first and foremost, thank you, Ma, for being here and for being with me and for joining and having a chat. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, it's kind of interesting how we actually came about getting to know each other and how we kind of got to chat because you found me on medium if i'm correct so we're kind of like like medium buds i think so that's kind of like the vibe obviously a lot of the people that are on this podcast are we have our teachers that come and say hi we have marketers we're founders but we kind of come from the little microcosmos that it is medium so i'm gonna ask you actually a question for somebody who's listening and they're like what is medium about what is this gorgeous thing can you tell us if you were to say to somebody who has no idea what the platform is how would you describe it to somebody for the first time? Oh, interesting. So I'd say Medium is like the YouTube for writers. That's the easiest way, I think, to explain it, where anybody can write on there and they can potentially earn money from doing that. And as a reader, as a consumer, you can get a huge range of content from lots of different people. And it sort of separates us from, say, a news site where you just have the same reporters on Medium, you've got thousands of writers and you can find the type of thing that interests you. And actually, there's an element in there which I kind of take for granted. Obviously, we've been writing Medium for definitely more than me. Maybe you can give us a bit of the background again, just to kind of understand your relationship with the platform. But I've been writing probably now three years-ish, like seriously, maybe two. But one of the perks of it, one of the elements, obviously, is that Medium doesn't have any ads or advertisements in it. So there's that kind mm-hmm. of element of the full experience is literally the, the reading and the writing. And obviously, that makes it quite unique. Um, and I think, obviously, we forget about that because now it's how a lot of news sites and publications are actually trying to monetize is by being able to have the advertisement. So I think that's one of the biggest difference that sometimes, again, when you are in the microcosmos of medium, we were joking about it earlier, you forget about what it is to come at it for the first time ever. And I think the novelty of it, it's something that I guess now we don't, we don't see as much anymore once you've been there for such a long time. So how many years were you actually on the platform, roughly? I think I started reading in summer of 2019 and 
So my previous job was in tech consulting. So I started on Medium or reading on Medium for my job. So I would be Googling like how to do whatever in JavaScript, whatever it was. And I kept ending up on Medium from Google. And then eventually I found other types of articles and I became a member. And I never joined Medium with the intention of becoming a writer. So I was reading on there for six months and I set myself a new resolution of saying, okay, I'm going to try and start writing. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to read it, but it's going to be good for me to get down my ideas. And in the end, history proved me wrong and people did actually read me, which I'm probably more surprised about than anybody else. What would you say was one of your biggest achievements since when you started writing on the platform? Right at the beginning, I think it was my second article that went viral. So that second article got over 100,000 views, which to me was just insane. Like I was sitting at work, checking my phone, being like, oh my God, another like 10 views, 10 views. And all of a sudden it just blew up. And it's just really strange because I'm just, well, I still am just a normal person. And I never thought that that would ever happen to me. Like you just think that happens to other people. And yeah, it was just that surprise factor of, wow, like I can write on here and people actually care and people actually want to hear what I have to say. And from there it spiraled and then I became like the editor of a publication and all these things that were never in my, let's say, path. I never planned this out that I wanted to then go and quit my job to become a writer. I'd have thought you were crazy if you told me that two years ago. But it's what's happened. It's just enjoying the ride. I'm going to ask you now a question that, again, goes back to some of the what you, people are probably starting to fear here, but also we talked about it right before we jumped on. I think there's like positives and also there are some, not necessarily negatives, but some things to bear in mind, especially when a platform has got, and it comes from what the platform is as well. Think about things like Clubhouse. Clubhouse is probably the, the most blatant example of obviously invite only exclusivity mm. medium is not exclusive but there are still there are things that you want to do or you have to do in order to even be a reader because you can only read three pieces a month if you're not a member so there is yeah. you know there's the paywall but there's also other little things so I talked about it and I love the platform by the way it gave me loads of opportunities myself so I even got a couple of writing jobs myself from it so but here's a bit of a microcosmos in itself and I think that has its positives and its negatives. And I would love to hear from your perspective because some people might be listening and they might be like, should I, you know, as a marketer or as somebody that wants to kind of get my word out there and I know that writing is one of the things that I can do, should I be on Medium? Is that the platform for me? And I'm kind of wondering from your personal experience, what are some of the pet peeves or some of the positives that you see from having been doing this for a while? I think for people who've already got a presence elsewhere, or they're already writing a blog on their own page or whatever like that, there's no downsides to just copying and pasting it into Medium because you can set the, uh, I'm going to say the word wrong now, canonical link such that the SEO master is still your own website. So let's say you're a marketer and you've got your own website and you've got dozens of blog posts, pay somebody 10 quid to copy and paste all your articles and publish them on Medium. And you might get a new audience from that because, like I said, it only takes one reader to potentially create an opportunity. So there's very little to lose by doing it because, like, same as you, I've got freelancing opportunities from it. I've had lots of people reach out to me that I really admire. So it's just another place where you can get your word out there. And even if you don't get many views, if you're writing anyway, what are you losing? 
if it's from the other perspective and you don't write at all at the moment and you want to start, then it's a little bit different because you need to work out what your motivation is. If it's just for money, it's probably not the best idea, to be honest, because you have different levels of people earning. Some people do earn thousands, but lots of people don't. So I wouldn't start it as this idea of like this time I'm going to get rich. Start it for other reasons. If you want to start writing because you enjoy it, then do it. If it's part of like a bigger plan with your business or wherever you're working on, and it kind of adds to your credibility, then do that as well. But just be careful about thinking about it as a get rich quick scheme is what I'd probably advise. And like you said, keep the keep your sense of um, wits about you because lots of people join Medium and they kind of forget that the majority of the world has no idea what Medium is. And you see people on LinkedIn where they say, like, I am a top price from this category. So nobody cares. Like most people have no idea what that means. And you've got to be really careful about that, about because you know the platform so well, then making the assumption other people do as well. Because lots of people might see that and they're like, oh, that's impressive. Or they might be like, I don't know what that means. So always think about what your average person is going to perceive from what you're doing, not just what other medium writers or other people who are engrossed in that world are going to think. And that's an excellent point. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up because I believe that it can apply to so many things. And one of the things that I talked a lot actually recently on the podcast, but in general, when it comes to all, when we go with all marketing school is that there is a new generation of, of marketers in themselves. There's actually marketers that maybe just want to be writers because they're like, I love talking about marketing, like literally um, commentators. And that's the yes. thing. And, you know, and the people we were talking about Substack earlier briefly before we jumped on, you know, Substack, you can have like, like tech writers and then go on Substack, just talking about marketing news and trends. So I think, and you can apply it to any field. I know that you're really passionate also about the self-help element and entrepreneurship combined. So I think because now if you're a marketer, but also you are a creator and you want to cultivate that because you want to still work just for yourself or you want to have clients instead of having to work for a company, you know, it's kind of interesting to see which platforms you can actually get in and obviously kind of foster and grow. But I love what you mentioned there is that reminder of the fact that whether it's LinkedIn, because that can happen there too, whether it's Substack, whether it's Medium, remember that some people still don't know you from there and maybe like it's the first time they come across you. And so again, it's almost like being, you know, pumped by the, the success that you get and by being a top writer or such. But also remembering, as you say, that, there are so many people that will come to you for the first time ever and you need to make sure that also you can introduce yourself to them as much as to the people that might be like, oh my God, that's a Ma from Medium. Yes, which is excellent. Obviously. It's always, I think it's like, the, it's almost kind of keeping the ego in check. I don't know if you know what I mean. And I think that yeah. can be really hard sometimes, can it? Yeah, and I think so. I've, I've talked to lots of the other big writers on Medium. So I've got um, that kind of perspective as well because one of the things on Medium is, let's say, so... I'm a relatively big name is what people might consider. I've got 45,000 followers. Now, think about that on YouTube, or you think about that on Instagram, that's fairly minor. Like the biggest people on those platforms have millions of followers. So you've got to remember like 45,000 followers. Like to me, that's incredible because of where I've come from. And it's really appreciating that it's insane. When you think about it, 20 years ago, you could only reach people if they would come to your event where you'd have to reach out to them. You could maybe, if you wrote something, you'd try to have to get into the newspaper for people to read it. Now you can go on Medium and reach hundreds of thousands of people or even potentially millions. That's insane. 
But you've also got to remember that you're never going to reach the majority of the world or even the majority of your local area. So I've got a few million views, but that doesn't mean I'm going to walk around in the streets and people are going to recognize me. Like I'm not famous, but people get in their heads that because they're idolized by a specific group of people and it's just kind of keeping that humility of, yes, like lots of people enjoy what I do and I'm really happy about that, but that doesn't make me George Clooney or Tom Cruise. Like I'm big in a small pond or a medium-sized pond, excuse the pun. Um, and yeah, like for example, with subsex is what you mentioned there. I'd say if I asked 99% of my friends, they'd have no idea what Substack is. The only people who know about it are the people in the online world. And this is one of the issues that we sometimes have in terms of communication, is that people are used to communicating with people inside the same world, but they alienate the audiences because the audiences don't care. The audience doesn't care if you're writing on Medium or Substack or wherever you're writing. They're there for your content. And it's really important to be kind of careful about that in terms of just because you're really engrossed in that world doesn't mean your audience are. And I love that. And it almost makes me think about another thing that I want to ask you again, because as you say, it's just finding that balance for ourselves and also for our audience. But then I'm also going to take it one step further and say also for the longevity. If you are deciding to do your own thing and we can call it side hustle even if at some point by the way I don't like the word hustle those I'm like ah the side your side thing your side mm. your side project your side dream but if you work on that on the side and then obviously then you want to take it you know full on and you know you can start off with the one thing or the one platform this is me again going back to my marketer hat you don't own anything aside from your website or your database or something mm. that you create yourself that is centralized because it's yours so I want to ask your opinion or your journey, if you have obviously experiences when it comes to actually putting all of your eggs in one basket and or deciding maybe to then start diversifying and obviously what has worked for you, because I believe that every, every individual is different and they can find their own way. But again, uh, when there's a culture that is very much about this is the place to be or this is the way to be successful here, I think there's also a reminder that these platforms are still not your own. And so we need to be remembering that sometimes. Yeah, and I think that's really important. It's one of the things, so now that I'm full-time, so I've been full-time for about two months, it's something I'm considering a lot more um, with importance because I need to have that resilience. If I'm reliant on one place, so at the moment, my following on Medium is much larger than my following on other platforms. And that's something which I'm trying to address because if for whatever reason, like Medium shuts down or I get banned or there's all these different things that could happen, how do I reach those people who cared about my opinion so you've got email lists for example and I think I was slow on email lists and it was imposter syndrome because I was like why are people going to sign up to me they're not going to care and it took me a while to get over that kind of hump and believe in myself and believe people wanted to listen and people do open those emails and people want to see my work and with medium and with other platforms usually as well you can download and back up your work and it's really important to do that because let's say you wanted to have all your articles on your website later on, you need to keep that option open. So what I tell people, so what I'm doing at the moment is I've got, I always forget my different income streams. So sorry, let's think. So I've got the writing, I've got freelancing, I've got, I'm an editor, I've got a paid newsletter with other people. I've just started a podcast recently myself. And for me, the podcast is 
like a long-term bet, right? Because I know it's hard to monetize in the short term. And I'm not going into this, like I'm going to get rich from my podcast and millions of people are going to listen, which is why I think sometimes pulls back other people. For me, the podcast is, is a way to connect with people on a bit of a deeper level because I get lots of people messaging me, but it's very difficult for me to reply to everybody because there's only so many hours in the day. And if I'm spending all my time replying to people, it's exhausting for me. And I know one of the things I'm quite bad at is my amount of screen time. So if I'm replying to people, it's more time I'm spending my screens and it's, it then makes me a hypocrite because of what I'm trying to put out in the world and trying to make people live more mindfully. So with a podcast, what I think I can do from that is allow people to get a bit closer to me than my writing because with writing, people read it in their own heads, they get their own voice. But there's always going to be something lost in translation a little bit. Whereas with a podcast, people can hear me bounce off other people, they get to know me on a bit of a deeper level. And to me, that's a long-term bet because hopefully people like me when they listen to me at their deeper level. And from there, then I can build out other programs and other courses or books or whatever I want to do and have these people who really feel connected to me. And some kind of advice anybody who's doing anything online is think about that. It's the thousand true fans thing that I can't remember who came up with. Because if you're just trying to get as many views as possible, but all of those views are people who don't actually have a connection with you, then you're sh- like, you've got to keep on this hamster wheel where you'll keep, you keep churning out stuff because you don't have that loyalty from people who have seen your journey and understand you a bit better and they want to help you. And I love what you mentioned there because, you know, what you, sh- you showed, like the little, um, you know, the little breakdown actually of what I, th- I hear what you said. And I can see that being the path and the journey of a lot of creators these days is actually finding a couple of avenues that can work for you, the couple of ways that you want your voice to be heard, whether it's literally heard or whether it's just, mm-hmm. as you say, read, and then being able to try it. And I want to ask you a question because that's something I personally do a lot. <laughs> mm. um, and I think it's also a reminder. Um, I also believe in trying, especially if you feel like you want to see a new avenue, a new income stream, I think there's two camps. There's the camp of people potentially like us. They're like, I'm going to try it and see how it goes and learn from it. But there's, I think, a lot of people also that feel the pressure of being like, what if I launch this new le- newsletter list? Use? And nobody signs up for it. Uh, it is a complete bust. And I failed. And my life is over. And oh, I'm going to go and cry in a corner. Yeah. And I think it's really important to remember that like success comes from trying a lot of things because we just want to see what works and we don't know exactly what our audience is going to resonate with. And I wanted to hear your opinion on that. I'm call it failure. I like to call it challenges actually more than failure or lessons because I believe that's what they are. But I think that as a creator, there's actually a lot more pressure to try different things to see what does your audience want and how do they want to hear from you as well. Yeah, and I guess my point on that would be if something fails, so let's say you make an online course, nobody signs up, then you haven't really failed because nobody really clicked on it. So if nobody clicked on it, then nobody actually realizes that you failed anyway. It just, I think because we, like we're the center of our own universe. So we see it as a failure, whereas most of our readers or most of the people signed up to our newsletter won't even remember it next week. Like we put so much importance on it that so they won't remember. Like if you tried something and they weren't interested in it, most of them aren't going to hold a grudge against you. They're not going to be like, oh, that was the person that did this and I hate them now. They're just going to skim over it. And it's what I do, right? It's like I get newsletters and 
if I'm not interested in what's in there, I just skim over it and that's fine. I don't tend to unsubscribe unless it's really annoying for whatever reason. And I think that's something which people can remember as well is that everybody's not focused on you. They're not like obsessed with you. Like you're, what you're releasing, whether or not that determines whether or not they care about you. Because for example, I've launched courses about Medium and people from my newsletter who don't care about Medium, they just read the next point. They're not going to be like, I can't believe he did this. And nobody necessarily knows the underlying figures too. I know some people are very open about like this, how many this and this, how many this. But at the end of the day, like, do you need to, it's, it's useful as social proof, yes. But sometimes you don't really need to brag about that because a lot of people, they'll celebrate your success, but they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily interested in every little bit and piece of your information. In terms of pressure to try things. So one of the things going on at the moment, which is, I'm in two minds about it. You've got the decentralized platform. So you've got Bit, uh, BitCloud and Mirror. And they're basically clones of other platforms. So BitCloud is like Twitter and Mirror is like Medium. And the idea behind them is based on the blockchain and you own it properly and this kind of stuff. So I won't get into the details of it because it's kind of confusing. But a lot of people are kind of going into that now. And I'm wondering whether or not I should follow them or not. And I think the better strategy for most people is to be a second mover. Because yes, if you get in first, you could blow up and you could be massive. But most of these platforms fail. If you look at Clubhouse, for example, right? I, maybe people are still using it, but I don't know if they're still using it. It was a little hype for a few months and it helps you at the beginning or whatever like that. But you didn't necessarily need to, if you got into it on day one, it would have worked out for you and you would have done really well. But if you decided to skip it, you would have probably still been okay too. And there's so many other platforms where it's good to wait and see what other people do. Especially if you've got limited time, you've got limited resources. If you're already overstretched, then chasing that new shiny thing might not be the best idea. And one good way of doing this, if you've got friends who are in the same world, other creators, maybe you test out different things. So you say, oh, can you try this one? I'm going to try this one. And you can give each other feedback and you've got somebody who you trust who has that information. So I know some people are using BitCloud and I'm going to kind of check in with them to see how it's going for them and whether or not it's worth my time. And if it's somebody I trust, that helps a lot more than when it's just kind of the um, marketing collateral on the page itself. So that's one way I think it's quite good. It's like if you've got a few like marketer friends and you've got people who are in the same space as you, you test out different strategies and you help each other out and you let them each other know like, oh, Clubhouse is really good. You should join. And maybe they might find, oh, Clubhouse is a waste of time. But at least then only one of you has spent the investment on it rather than both of you. And that saves you a lot of time in the long run, I think. And I love that. And I think there's actually, I'm going to add to that because it's very important because again, especially when you're a creator, then obviously you will share your journey. And one of the benefits of actually talking to the people in the first place is that this is obviously me going with a bit of a, we have hats at all marketing schools. This is the, con- the not the conspiracy theory one, is the yeah. controversial one. Ding, ding. Yeah. Like the controversial hat is also here to say that sometimes, especially when we're writing to our own audience or we're talking more kind of openly, we tend to maybe hide some of the 
the things that maybe they're not so good about something or you know we try to kind of like sugarcoat it sometimes or some people are incredibly honest and authentic some people prefer to be a bit more mm-hmm. modest about it so I believe that as you said there's a there's a little subtle nuance by actually being able to ask some people that you trust that have done something that you would like to jump into because you know mm-hmm. that you know you're going to be like just be honest because maybe something that for them was a small snag for you yeah. is a no no you know what I mean that's I think one of the things to remember so for them it doesn't matter so that's why you didn't talk about it but for you is what is going to make you decide whether you're going to go on that platform or not whether you're going to invest time on the tool or not so I think it's a great reminder because especially I think as creatives whether you are a creator or not even if you're a marketer is you use the example of Clubhouse, which is amazing, especially if you're working with a client or with a, or with a brand and you're like, you should go on this thing. It's because we are excited. We're creatives. We want to try new things. We think, oh my God, this is going well. But there's something, um, the gold, um, I think the rule of marketing is kind of what works today might not work tomorrow because the online world is so fast. It's always been fast, but it's faster than before. So Thank you for mentioning that because I think it's a little reminder. And as a creator, you're relying so much on other platforms to help you kind of grow and spread the word and share your message as a personal brand. And I think there's a, you know, it can be a lot to keep up with as well, I think. I have one more question. One more question for you. And it's more about something that I know is really important to you as well, which is the mindset piece. And it's really important for us as well. So my question is more about how is the one thing, let's put it this way, let's give us something practical maybe. Is the one thing that you really love doing or something that for you is a really big ritual or practice that helps you, especially when things feel a bit too much or when you feel a bit frazzled or when you're trying to reclaim some of the space for yourself and almost kind of like make a big decision or maybe just actually have a break. Is the one ritual practice or thing that you do every day when is needed and what would that be yeah so um i think i have a lot of naps which i guess some people struggle to sleep when they're stressed whereas i may be the opposite by just like okay i'm gonna go to sleep now and it lets me kind of process things it helps me out when i'm not thinking about something so intently because i think what happens to a lot of people is they have a problem they try to analyze it so much then they keep analyzing it even once they've analyzed everything there is to analyze and what I quite like is just like having a lie down, thinking about it in a more relaxed manner. And it's the different types of focus. I think it's diffused and focused mindsets, right? And I try to spend as much time as I can in the diffused mindset. So I have my short burst of focused time. But I have a lot of time where I'm just kind of staring at the wall or laying in bed. And I don't shame myself for that so much. It's just that's part of my process. When I'm writing, for example, there will be a point where I, I'm trying to grapple with an idea and I'll just lock my laptop and go and lie down for 10 minutes and I'll be thinking about it and working out like what's the best way of doing it, but in a more relaxed way, whereas if you're trying to stare at the screen and do it, you're putting so much pressure on yourself. So taking those just breaks and I, I lie down a lot, probably too much, I, and it depends on what works for you. So I, can, I do walks as well, for example. I use yoga, I use gym, but what I'm finding at the moment is because yoga sessions in the gym, they're a bit longer, then I'm still getting used to having that big of a break during my working day. So I want to get to a point where I'm not thinking about things while I'm at those classes or while I'm at the gym. 
And it's partly because of the pandemic and me being stuck inside all the time. It feels weird to have like a long break of two hours or something. But I think it's so important. And to me, one of the measures, I guess, of success for me is that I'm able to make sure that I'm exercising as much as I want to during the week. And it's not something which is shafted out because, oh, no, I need to do this or I need to do that. Like exercise comes first and then my work will be pushed to tomorrow instead. I love it. There's an element of, I think, priorities and values, which is so important in general, but especially, this is probably how I'm going to try and close myself, but I just want to say that we need to remember that if you decide to just say, I'm going to just do my own path, I'm going to walk my own walk, I don't want to work for anybody else no more. Excellent. But it's really important to remember that the then is almost like, can you start that process, not just by thinking about what you want to do and what your goals are, but also what values do you want to put forward when it comes to your day to day? Is it freedom? Is it, is it again, movement can be a, a value or a priority in itself? Because I don't think we spend enough time doing that. And it's something that I talk also about in Reclaiming Time Off in my book. I talk a lot about values because if the way that you work is clashing with your values, then success is going to become something that you don't really you feel you can never reach because you're like, oh, I should feel good now because I got this that is supposed to be what I want, but I'm not feeling that. And maybe, as you say, it's just because you cannot get the time to go to the gym and it's frustrating you. And you're like, wait a second, it's because I want to do this and I'm not making myself you know, available for that as well. Yeah, so- and I think it's one of these things which maybe you hear this a lot where people tell you to have goals and they need to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. I disagree in many ways because I think it's better to focus on what kind of a lifestyle you want and then adjust your goals based on that. So if you want to write a book, let's say, that is like, do you want to be spending 10 hours a day writing? If you don't, then adjust your goal. So if instead of saying, I want to write a book by the end of the year, why? Why have you picked the end of the year? It's just arbitrary, just plucked out of thin air. Whereas if you say, okay, I would like to write a book and I'd like to try and spend maybe two hours a day doing it then, okay, if you're going to spend two hours a day doing it, when's a reasonable time for you to publish? And work based on that rather than we just pick things out of thin air. And sometimes if it's a short thing, so let's say when I launched my podcast, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and launch in a week. And that was to just overcome that initial fear of launching. But in a short-term thing, it's okay. If it's like a big, hairy goal, don't just set an arbitrary deadline. Think about it. Work out what effect that's going to have on your life and whether or not you're going to give yourself a year of like unhappiness and being miserable for no reason, just because you've decided for some reason you want to publish on this day. I love that. Now, I'm going to ask you, please, first of all, thank you, first of all, for having a chat. And thank you for reminding us as well. I think we covered so many things from some of the practical elements, but also some of these mindset reminders and, you know, almost like cutting ourselves a bit of slack and as you said just being more realistic about why we do what we want to do and how can we make it work for us instead of what we are supposed to do and I think it's a great reminder so thank you and now if people want to find out more about you if they want to read your articles if they want to find out more about all the wonderful things you do where should we gently nudge them towards well so I think the best place is my website and there's two ways of getting there whichever way you can remember so there's my full name, which is amadeepsparma.com, which is hard for people to spell. But I've also got 
mindfuldriven.com as well. So mindfuldriven.com, I think is probably the easiest. And that's going to have links to everything that I have. So it's got links to all my articles, to my newsletter, to my podcast. My podcast has got the same name, Mindful and Driven. Then also my medium courses. So you can find out everything about me from there. And in terms of the best place to reach me, is like if you can sign up to that newsletter, then you'll get all of the best stuff from me each week. And that's probably the easiest way for you to manage rather than to go to the website regularly. Excellent. Thank you so, so much again for joining us. It was a pleasure chatting to you. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Alt Marketing School. Until next time.